Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Hey, everybody. Welcome to episode 16 of Chris will deal with it. Thoughts on New York Comic Con 2022. So a few weeks ago, I dealt with New York Comic Con, and I've had some lingering thoughts that are worth a deeper dive on the show. If you've ever been interested in attending a large convention like NYCC or create the kinds of content that would be embraced at a show like this, you're going to want to tune into today's episode. I've got four main thoughts. One, it's fun being surrounded by geek culture. Two, I'm frustrated by intellectual property theft. Three, the mask mandate enforcement was horrific. And four, one day was enough. So number one, it's fun being surrounded by geek culture. Now I'm going to start with the best part of events like Comic-Con. Being immersed in a place where everyone's into the same stuff you are. Sure, there's some variety in there, but it's a chance to be reminded of your favorites, discover new content, get a firmer pulse of the industry, and meet the people who create the work we love. There were so many incredibly talented artists there. Comic creators, fine artists, writers, cosplayers, actors, actresses. It's really inspiring to be in the presence of so many of the best and most talented creators going. And you get these twinges of nostalgia, right? You see someone from an obscure 90s sci-fi show, or you see cosplay from a beloved secondary character. And like the people that come dressed up at the show, there was a really huge variety of booths you're going to see at the Comic-Con. Comic sellers, corporations, merchants, designers, and of course, artists. There are some corporations that don't have products consumed by the target audience, but do want to market to them at some kind of loose tie-in. In the past, I've seen companies like Geico, uh, this year, uh, DoorDash was doing this, but it was nice to see a lot less of these this year compared to the last time I went in 2019, which was pre-COVID. Now, with merchants, you're going to see some that are selling new and or used products, such as toys, collectible card games, lounge fly bags, etc. And there was actually a really high number that I saw selling these mystery boxes for ridiculous amounts of money. Around all sorts of properties, whether it be Minions or Frozen or Star Trek. I think there's a big trend in terms of mystery packs. You know, I see it with my kids all the time, these little adorables, or it's kind of the collectible card game aspect of it, but for other properties. There are all kinds of artisans who are selling original work. They're making new fans, connecting with existing ones. And for me, there's two subcategories here. There's the artists who have original pieces, worlds, and characters. And then you have artists that are inspired by existing intellectual property, but putting their spin on pop culture icons. And some of them are very clever and incredibly produced. And with the improvements in 3D printing, engraving, and laser etching tools that are out there, there's a really fast-growing number of booths that were devoted to selling custom-designed merchandise, such as wood-carving art, 3D-printed dragons, geek-etched glass, for sure, there were some people selling handcrafted merchandise too, but these were far fewer than those using tech to make their products. And that's where a fine line comes in for me, that there were a lot of merchants who would sell products that were featuring character scenes, especially logos, that were straight infringements on intellectual property. Which brings me to my second point, that I'm really frustrated by the degree to which there's intellectual property theft at shows like this. 
I'm going to have a link to this in the show notes, but New York Comic Con did have a defined bootleg policy, which says, and I'm quoting verbatim, the buying and selling of counterfeit, knockoff, unlicensed materials is not tolerated at New York Comic Con. New York Comic Con is a celebration of the best of popular culture, and bootlegs have no place in this show. Violation of this rule will result in one and only one warning. A second violation and you'll be removed from the show. Now here's the thing. There were several booths prominently displaying counterfeit DVDs. It was clear, it was obvious, and it was selling. But for me, this is much more of a minor issue compared to the intellectual property infringement that was rampant. Booths selling vinyl decals of pop culture logos and graphics, the etching engraving I mentioned earlier, and more. For example, there were some really nicely produced glasses, you know, wine glasses or beer mugs, that had the Rebel Alliance logo from Star Wars. Just as an example, and I can come up with about 100 more if you give me time, but I'm going to keep this brief today. Here, too, New York Comic Con has a very clear policy in place, and to their credit, it may, does make a lot of sense from their perspective. Now, I'm quoting. Exhibitors are advised that management will not interpret claims of a utility patent, interpret the scope of protection for a registered trademark, or registered copyright, or specifically make any judgments as to the sufficiency of disclosures in patents, the validity of any patents, likelihood of confusion between different marks, fame of a mark, dilution of a mark, fair use of another's mark, priority of rights in a mark, what amounts to a substantial taking of a copyrighted work, or what is fair use of a copyrighted work. Now, I'm not a lawyer, but here's where the issue comes down to me, because after that paragraph, there's a lot more that goes into the enforcement and what recourse a company has or a person has about claiming infringement. It's so much work to run around a show claiming infringement on your properties. Since most of these retailers are infringing on so many properties, and for example, here I'll take the glass seller that had Rebel Alliance, you had icons from Star Trek, you had ones from the Marvel Universe, the DC Universe, which are owned by different companies. And I can go on and on and on. Pokemon, which is Nintendo. So if anyone claims infringement, they could just take down a handful of items and that's it. And it also creates this issue where a company that might go around protecting its IP does come off like a jerk for protecting what's rightfully theirs. Imagine the social media backlash of Marvel or DC, or in Marvel's case, Disney running around saying, infringing on my IP. And I do feel that this is one of the main reasons this behavior is perpetuated. And listen, each seller is supposed to have their New York State tax certificate on display in their booth to take payments at the show. So why not put the burden on the seller? Whenever you're selling a product using copyrighted material, a license to sell said copyrighted material must also be displayed next to it. So yeah, all right, at the show I got worked up more than a few times and those Starfleet pajamas looked cool, but there were also clear infringements on Paramount's IP. Now, as somebody who produces original IP, this is why I get my proverbial pajamas in a twist. I'd be furious if I saw someone profiting off the world I created or characters I created without being properly compensated for it. But listen, if there's a company out there that wants to license Rainy River Bees for some bee-themed jammies, contact me, right? Listen, I'm not a lawyer, like I said before. I'm going to leave this as a gripe for now. But it is an issue I plan on revisiting in a later episode. So mail in any questions you have on the topic, and I'd love to discuss it. So let's get to point three. The mask mandate enforcement was horrific. The show made a huge deal of this announcement before the show. And again, I quote, as an added precaution for New York Comic Con 2022, we have made the decision to require approved face coverings for all participants at all times while indoors at New York Comic Con. 
Verification of vaccination or proof of negative tests are not required for admission to the Javits Center or New York Comic Con 2022. Now, I don't care where you stand on mask mandates and vaccines. That's not the point here. They show had signage all throughout saying that this is the type of mask that needs to be worn. You have to show a face cover. You can't just hide behind a, an Iron Man mask. But again, the organizers clearly made the choice to take this stance, then did absolutely nothing to enforce it. If you're someone who decided to attend because of the added element of safety, you'd be furious. And from all accounts, many were. But I'm going to estimate that less than 50% of attendees remained unmasked or went without one at all. I'm not talking about hanging a neck gaiter or having it hanging off your nose. I mean, just didn't even care. And I'm probably being courteous there. It's probably a lot less than 50%. Now, I was among the masks because I follow the rules. I don't know. But I do know people who decided to take theirs off since nobody from New York Comic Con was enforcing it and everyone else wasn't doing it anyway. This was booth workers, attendees, and the staff themselves. It was atrocious to see organizers just doing nothing to enforce their own rules. Whether you agree with them or not, that may be why people were allowed to run around selling bootleg DVDs and such. There's just no enforcement. You see very little staff at this show. I'm griping again, but I do want to go to my fourth point here, that one day was enough for me. Listen, your Comic-Con is crazy expensive. I went for one day, Thursday, which is the cheapest of the four. It runs through, the show runs through Sunday. And there are family deals and things like that. But just for myself, in total, I spent $86.27 for the one-day badge, which includes $15.50 in assorted service fees and $5.77 in sales tax. I spent $30.50 for a round-trip ticket on New Jersey Transit. The caveat here is I do live right near a train station and could walk to it. Otherwise, you can add 6 bucks for daily parking. I spent $18 for a garbage hot pretzel and a beer. And this is seriously the worst pretzel in the history of the city of New York. And that person should never be allowed within the city limits. As a 10-year resident of New York City, I was embarrassed and I haven't lived there in almost a decade. Anyway, and there's also the opportunity cost of one day of my time, which is not insignificant. And none of that includes what I spent in vendors of the show, which was mostly books. It's a massive show. It was an incredible day. I even left early in the afternoon so I can get home at a decent hour. But I couldn't imagine dropping several hundred dollars to attend all four days of the show. And not to mention that if I didn't live close enough to sleep in my own bed, hotel rooms in New York City, like everywhere else these days, are crazy expensive. Most of the vendors that are there for the four days and setting up the day before, they're likely dropping five figures that have a booth at this show. Now, I've done several trade shows, both for my day job and in the board game industry. So I'm going to leave that as a topic for a future show so you can get the vendor's perspective since I am trying to keep this one short. And I'm going to close this episode with a quote from a book by Cory Doctorow, Information Doesn't Want to Be Free. People actually like supporting the artists whose work they like. It makes them feel happy. You don't have to force them. And if you force them, they don't feel as good. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources for today's episode, sign up for the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com, or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Chris Will Deal With It.